Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to My Millennial Property. I'm Glenn James and you're with John Pigeon as well. Hey, John, how are you doing? Good, Glenn. And you? Mate, I'm okay. Now, we want to talk about how to find property hotspots. Mm. Now, the first thing we need to do before we buy a property is get some finance organized and we are unapologetically pro-mortgage brokers in the M3 world. So, thank you to Sean and the team at Wellman Finance for getting behind My Millennial Property. Sean and the team have helped countless now listeners of My Millennial Money, My Millennial Property get their ideal, most appropriate mortgage set up. He'll educate, he'll teach, he'll explain to you. There was even an an issue, John. I don't know if I've told you this. One of the M3 listeners wrote to me and said, hey, had a bit of a problem uh, with Welly, but we actually, I called them both and it worked out that it was just a bit of a miscommunication. Yep. Uh, I don't know what side it was from, but something was missed. Yep. Wellie got on the phone, sorted it out. The listener was happy and still wants to use Sean going forward. So, I guess that's the difference when you have somebody who owns their own business. Mm. They really want to make sure that the customer is looked after. That's right. So, there's a real case of Sean Wellman and the team of Wellman of just making sure things mm. go as smoothly as possible. So, yeah. thank you so much, Wellie, for that. Very diligent in his approach. He is. So, there's a question here from Christy. John mentioned he had a hotspot slash not spot list from the start of 2019. Turns out I bought one of the not spots in 2019, but to live in. So, she's not as mad about this uh, because it wasn't an investment decision. Are you able to do an updated 2020 version for the podcast with this year's hotspots and not spots for property investing? So... How do you go about finding hotspots and not spots, John, for your own life? Mm. Yeah, usually I throw a dart at um, a map of Australia and see which one <laughs> where I hit. No, thanks for reaching out, Christy. I think she mentioned that it wasn't uh, on the hotspot and it was on the not spot list. First of all, I'm not. Gandhi. Right? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not hundred percent correct every time. It was just my assessment at the time. And we have done a, a 2020 version of that. She said it's not an investment decision, so she's not fussed about it. I've got a differing thought on that. I'd like to think that every time we go and buy an asset or an income-producing asset or um, our own home, that we'd like to make a strategic decision for our financial wealth. So if, if you, you think that it wasn't a hotspot at the time it doesn't mean it's not going to go up in value it just might not be the right time for maximum growth is probably where i was going with that so i take the example of um, sydney now 2014 if we had a crystal ball we would have said buy up uh, buy a house in sydney pretty much any suburb in sydney um, you would have hit the mark 
So fast forward to 2019, Sydney, I think from memory, was on my not spot list, right? Now, does that mean Sydney's not going to go up in value in the next five years? I'd be very surprised if it doesn't. But what it's done in the last five years prior to that suggests that it's not going to repeat that same level of, of growth in the meantime, right? Now, fast forward 12 months, I think Sydney had still 4 or 5% of growth generally in the housing market um, across the, the greater Sydney area. So it hasn't been a, a train wreck if you did buy then in Sydney. Um, so when looking at hotspots and not spots, first of all, it's, it's very common knowledge that I look at the top 30 cities by population around the country. Right, and and there's good reason for that. From my point of view, it's it's um, it's where the population's growing, and not retracting. So in ten years' time, those thirty cities are going to have more um, people in them than they did ten years ago. Population, infrastructure, and economy are three areas that we looked reasonably heavily into. So population moving to the area means that the economy will. Um, have better signs of of improving and people are generally moving to the area because they can get a job there or have moved to the area because of work so population and economy usually go hand in hand in in a lot of cases unless it's a holiday destination where people go and retire okay the infrastructure side of things is an interesting one depending on who's in power in government but local government and state government are, are, are key indicators of what's happening here and you can go and check their their local um, websites or um, planning. I know Melbourne, for example, has a 2052 or 2055 plan. So you can look for the next 30 years as to what they intend doing with Melbourne and the greater area. So governments usually want to spend money on roads and facilities that where people are moving to not moving away from right so i suppose it it um the top 30 give give it an um a little bit of comfort or conservative approach from a uh, it's a stable area that we're not going to see a 30 40 percent dip because it's a one horse mining town for example so realistically with the the hot spots it would be very rare for a town out of the top 30 in Australia to really be a, a quality hotspot because it's just not going to have the population or infrastructure that you've just talked about. Correct. In saying that, um, I forget the year, but there's, um, there's places like uh, Murrumbah in Queensland that in the mining boom, mining is its number one industry or its only industry. So in the mining boom, um, prices doubled, tripled, etc through that time and rents also doubled tripled right so house prices went from say 150,000 to 500,000 in the space of two or three years okay now very speculative market because as soon as the uh, mining takes a downturn or, or when mining um, industries on a, on a roll the design or the, the to get the mine ready to be mind right if we use that basic term um, that's when they need the most people when the mining actually occurs that the horse is already bolted in a lot of cases so in the case of Murrumbah when when that was going through its boom and the yields basically tripled 
um, a lot of people went and bought in in areas like that. And Murrumbah wasn't the only town or city around the country, but it was one of them, right? So what a lot of investors did was they bought one and then they bought a second and a third. And that third one they paid 500, 600 grand for. The back end of that mining boom saw prices drop back down to their 100, 150 and they've still got a mortgage of 500 and they can't rent it because all the workers have left the town. But that's a diversification issue anyway with someone's own strategy. Totally. So there's greed involved there, but also not understanding the mechanics of of the population infrastructure economy conversation that we're having. So with hotspots and not spots, if it is a traditional not spot and there is a mine that's opened up or whatever, mm. to me buying property in that area, it's getting into the realm of the discussion with buying equities, are you a buy hold quality for the long term or are you a trader yes. buying and selling? And for me with my own property investing journey, I'm just not digging around with those towns myself. And 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 I'm exactly the same. And and I'll give you an example of what's in the top thirty at the moment that I'm not prepared to go into, although the numbers stack up. And it's a city called Mackay. Now when I think of Mackay, when I look at Mackay, it's, it also still screams mining to me, but it also is a region that very much stands on its own two feet. You can go and get work there. You can be comfortable living there. You don't have to be in mining. You can live happily ever after in Mackay. The problem I have with it is, and, and it's, it's not so much emotion that's making this mind up, but are people going to live there and stay there for the long term and and where's the nearest capital city right so the areas that we're looking at at the moment are within an hour two hours of the capital city even though they've only got a hundred hundred fifty thousand people in them okay mm. so i see those areas like the newcastle wollongong was five years ago areas that um, are very insulated in the population movement because People tend to move out of those capital city areas because they can't afford them any longer. They want a better lifestyle, but they generally don't go to a, an area that's eight hours from a capital city. They want to be close enough to the action. Mm. And that's where I suppose the 2020 list was designed around uh, more so. Is but, that on your Solvair website? Uh, I believe it is. Sure. Yeah, or it, it will be. It will be. <laughs> and I um, think the... The interesting thing about these discussions, John, and we've said it numerous times and it can happen when you're investing in equities, you know, if you did buy Sydney in 2011 mm. and we've talked to people that have done this, they bought a couple of properties, rode the wave out of Sydney under the false illusion that they are a sophisticated property investor, yeah. but they just got lucky. Yeah. And now when they go to go again, you know, we know somebody who was buying Two homes yes. in a regional town where you just would not ever do that, I don't think, or mm. I personally wouldn't, because they knew what was going on. But Blind Freddy could see that it's a train wreck waiting to happen. Well, it has the potential to be boom or bust, doesn't it? And yeah. that, that's the game that I don't want to play personally, and I don't want to play it with my clients either, essentially. Mm. But going back to the Mackay just quickly, the vacancy rates are around 1%, one, 1.5%. One 
right? So when you look at the vacancy rates of an area, that's a very low rate, right? The median um, house price is 350, 360 grand. So again, affordable numbers and the yields are actually quite good up there. So a lot of the numbers give give it a green light when when we go to to look at that as an investment hotspot. But yeah, because of the other reasons, I'm not um, prepared to go there. What are some of the big not spots at the moment that you see in your view you wouldn't personally invest but you see other I guess online discussions saying that it still could be a good place to any spring to mind yeah look um there's still a few talking up Tasmania like Hobart um, and Hobart for reference a couple of years ago had some really good growth and and probably even last 12 months had had reasonable growth as well for for Hobart and that was a little bit on the back of uh, Melbourne being unaffordable and, and it being the next closest capital city. Major industries down there are, are agriculture, which is fine. I just couldn't see the population movement there for the long term. So, but however, people see it still as affordable and are continuing to invest down there. Um, I just can't see where the next five or ten years of growth long-term are going to come from if there's not population movement into the area. If you had a million dollars today, cash, and you were going to buy two freehold properties, 500 grand each mm. or under, what suburbs would you use? What, what suburbs would you personally go to tomorrow? Okay, so I'm splitting the five hundred, uh, yeah. the million up yeah. into two or three, or three. Yeah. Okay, so geez, I'm on the spot here. You are. Uh, this um, isn't being recorded. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> look, I'd have to look at some regionals. Um, yeah. I'd be looking at probably Bendigo, Ballarat. Yeah. To put some cash in there. Geelong. Um, Geelong's had a a little bit further along the line in terms of growth, but. Yeah, look, I don't think you'll go wrong there either. All the numbers stack up from a, a medium price point of view, population growth, vacancy rates are still low. There's a guy by the name of Bernard Salt who's a demographer, which basically looks at population trends and all that sort of boring stuff around the country. Um, he came out with a list, I think it was about six months ago, and forecasted the next 20 or 30 years of population growth around the country by town and city and had Ballarat and Bendigo 1 and 2 in its um, its pro- projected uh, population increase, percentage right. of population. There you go. Yeah. Well, we might leave it there for this little episode. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner, Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. If you want to really turn up your property, education and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor. This online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. If you're after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you.
But if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals. So if you're wondering why that episode ended so abruptly, it's because the battery ran out as soon as I said, we might leave it here for today or something like that. And then it just stopped. Timing's everything. Timing's everything. So thanks for listening today. Jump onto John's website, solveairwealth.com.au and he should have some details up there about the hotties and noddies. If it's not there, it's definitely in my social somewhere. Yeah, sweet. So (laughs) thanks for listening today, guys. And I'll make sure I put the big battery pack on next time. Yep. See ya. See ya, bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 